five, four, three, two, one. There was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people to see if they could become something more. See if they could work together when we needed them to. To fight the battles that we never could. Welcome to The Journey Through Infinity on Jenny Position. My name is Jenny. I'm here with my three handsome co-hosts. Hi, boys. How you doing? Hi. Hi. Howdy. All right. Everybody good? We ready? Yeah. Yeah. I'm ready to go through infinity on the the journey through The journey, yes. The, as we established last time. The E. So, we're on uh, film number five. In mm-hmm. our journey, it is called Captain America, the First Avenger from 2011. Um, as per usual, Captain America is one of those characters that everybody has kind of heard of. Um, mm-hmm. And even if you haven't read anything, you pretty much know who he is. Um, and that's kind of where I was in this movie. Um, just aware of him, not a big fan. Uh, what about you, Justin? Well, I wasn't a fan of any of these people, but right. I did know of Captain America. Um, as we talked about, I believe in our first episode, I have the Captain America figure that was a referee in my wrestling figure promotion. Mm-hmm. Ever since I dug him out to send you the picture, he now sits on my little table next to me over here. Um, so no, I was very aware of Captain America. I can't say I knew the backstory too much of him. Um, and I think even when I was reading some of the comics along with the Marvel Age stuff a few years ago, I don't think we got to Cap where I was. Um, so really... I would say this is like my first full exposure to him as like a character, <clears throat> beyond just kind of knowing the name and the look. How about you, Scott? Oh, I read. I've known Cap forever. I read the the books. My brother and I were both Cap fans. I remember the the uh, Marvel. Uh, just like I was telling you, the, the, the couple shows ago, or the last show about Thor and Iron Man. I watched the the sixties. Not in the '60s. I know that joke's coming, but the uh, the '60s. Uh, I'm saving like, it till we get to the '40s. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Mm. The Silver Age. No, uh, I remember watching it on DVD, and I remember they did. There were two attempts at movies. There was one in the late '70s that was that was horrendous, and there was one in. Help me out, Tim. 92? 90, 90 or ninety one. Yeah, ninety ninety one. Probably didn't come out. You know, it probably didn't get, actually get released to video stores until '92. Now that you mention yeah. it. Yeah, it was it was okay, but not taken as seriously as we would talk about tonight and from here on out. Uh, it was more not comedic, but it was more lighthearted. So it wasn't the true nature of Cap like the books had, but um, uh, it, it was okay. But this was definitely I was definitely looking forward to this because it was going to be the true depiction of what the character is in the books. My opinion. All right, Tim. I know that you are a huge Captain America fan, so take us away. Cap's my man, and I'm actually quite titillated to know that I have a fellow fan in Scott. I did, Scott, I didn't know that you were um, as into the Star Spangled Avenger as you are. I am indeed. Yes, and I am indeed. Growing up like I did, uh, getting into those comics, he was he was my first 
favorite superhero, my kind of still my sentimental favorite superhero. And my entry point to comics, I've told the story a million times, uh, so I won't repeat myself other than to say, Man and Wolf, Cap Wolf, the great uh, six-part saga where <laughs> Captain America that. gets turned into a werewolf. Oh, a werewolf. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was like, those were like the first comics I ever regularly picked up when I when I was like buying comics with my allowance and decided that I was going to follow a series. It, it would be Captain America. And that was my, that was my entry point. <laughs> so, um, I, I just, I haven't looked back ever since. And, uh, yeah, I mean the, the action figures, um, the toy biz figures in the nineties growing up were real big with me. Cap was a part of, that kind of original line, you had the trading cards as well, um, and this is even before X-Men really took off in multimedia. Mm. Uh, Cap Cap was my first, so I've always had a soft spot for him, and going into this movie, of course, I was familiar with um, some of those earlier film efforts, too, that Scott mentioned, uh, the, the Matt Salinger classic in the early 90s. Uh, yeah, they... Sure didn't have much of a budget for that one. No. Um, no. But uh, I, I wore out that VHS tape, renting it at Video World consecutive weekends. I mean, it was all you had back then. What 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 do you expect? So, I will uh, say, I think, I think Captain America and, and Hulk, I guess. I mean, they're probably the most two famous of this Avenger group, right? Like, as far as just mainstream notoriety. Um, yeah. I actually just put on a random takeover Chicago on the background, and there's a dude in the front or in the fifth row with a Captain America shirt on, as I said that, so there's a returns for you. Um, but I do think, uh, like, if you just pick people off the street, and that would have been me, you know, just a couple of years ago, I would have said myself that, uh, yes, Captain America, I know of him, and Hulk. Like, I, I would probably have struggled right. to tell you Iron Man and Thor, you know. Mm-hmm. Hulk funny- more so than Cap, I would think, but people right. would still know the name and, and recognize Oh, for sure. I, I think everyone knows the name Captain America. I mean, yeah. I can't imagine you'd walk too many places and say, do you know who Captain America is? And you wouldn't at least get, yeah, superhero, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. I, I think the funny thing, at least, well, not the funny thing, but you you could argue, at least from a, from a, a, a mainstream perspective, that Cap was the marvel version of superman in the sense in the sense that he was like the mainstream guy like superman beat up hitler in the 40s books and captain america (laughs) beat up hitler in the 40s books and you know stormed berlin and beat the nazis and he was in the p you know cap was in the psa uh you know like the psa kids comics with martin luther king and john f Mm -hmm. kennedy and all that so he was he was even though you know many say the first Marvel, not Avenger, but the first quote Marvel um, character you think of is Spider-Man. Um, and in the '60s, Spider-Man was kind of the face of the co- of the books because he was always on the copyrights on the cartoons and stuff. But when it came to mainstream, Cap is probably Marvel's Superman in that aspect. Like he was the one that was in all the mainstream, like educational books and that kind of thing. Like he was their answer to uh, to the Man of Steel in that aspect. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was not their first technically but he was in that original crop of golden age marvel what would become marvel wasn't even marvel back then right superheroes and is one of the few that is still around to this day of course he 
had a little bit of a hiatus, you know, in the fifties going into the early sixties, but yeah, I mean, he's, he's a mainstay. So I think any kind of longevity like that, like that just helps in terms of the visibility of, of a character. Even if you don't know anything about the character per se, it's just one of those, he's in that the public collective consciousness. All right. Well, when it comes to casting the role of Steve Rogers, um, what did you think about Chris Evans, Tim? Uh, I have to tell you, I wasn't that thrilled at first. Mm-hmm. Um, I sort of had a a dream casting in my mind, which honestly is, now that I think about it, not that far off the mark. I had it in my head that, and I thought it was really conceivable back in you know, 2010, 2011, you're hearing about the development of this film. I wanted Ryan Gosling to play Captain. Ah! I really, not for the reasons that just made you giggle. (laughs) Um, I don't really feel that way about him, but, uh, I just, I, you know, I thought he'd make a really great, I wanted to see him do a, a superhero movie and I thought he'd make a great cap. I thought he had to look for it. Um, certainly the acting chops, and, uh, yeah, I was kind of enjoying a gauze fest back then. Mm, I could see it. Yeah, uh, he was doing some great work. But uh, we ended up with Chris Evans, who I'm just like, oh, the, the guy who played the Human Torch and, mm-hmm. you know, the, the kind of dumb teen comedies. It was just sort of, I hadn't seen him in a whole lot of stuff. And just what I had seen him in, I, I wasn't all that high on him. Not to say that I thought he's a bad actor by any means i just i didn't i didn't know what he could really bring to that role i'll Mm -hmm. I'll put it that way i thought it would just be like a well he'll probably be okay like it's it seems like a that'll do sort of casting yeah uh kind of hard to show off your your acting chops in not another teen movie or whatever the fuck it was (laughs) um any dream casting for you scott (laughs) Uh, I don't, you know, it's hard to say, like, I, I applaud Chris Evans for being able to get a do-over because as Tim mentioned, um, uh, you know, he got to redo being in a universe, particularly Marvel's because Mm -hmm. he was in, uh, the forgettable, not as forgettable as the second Fantastic Four. That one was just not the Silver Surfer one, but the, the redo, which was just unwatchable shit. Uh, the, the ones with, uh. Uh, Michael Chiklis is the thing and stuff. Those those weren't awful, but clearly forgettable. I mean, they always try to redo the Fantastic Four. So I, you know, what always makes me nervous. Uh, I'm going to go in reverse. Um, I get nervous because every time I th- I see, you know, rumored casting of a new superhero, you always see Nicolas Cage, and <laughs> I, I I like him about as much as I like Natalie Portman. So um, I I was like, oh fucking Christ! After after that bizarre Superman thinking that he was supposed supposed to mm-hmm. fucking do. Um, I had no interest in that. So I was actually the opposite of who to be excited about. I was dreading uh, hmm. them casting some fucking stiff. So just by his look, Chris Evans, I thought, was the perfect casting. He looks like a Steve Rogers mm-hmm. um, based on the comics. You know, he wasn't as blonde, but that's fine. Ryan Gosling wouldn't have been horrible. Um, you're, <laughs> maybe a Channing Tatum might have been one that, might, you know, that, that could have been maybe a choice for that spot. But Jason uh, Siegel. Jason, just, <laughs> Jason, Jason Siegel. Yes. Uh, 
Sean, Sean Michael Scott or whatever. whatever I mean, I obviously wasn't a, like following at this point, so I couldn't tell you. Like, I had a guy like that wouldn't, but I think Chris Evans is a pretty good mix. I mean, obviously he's look got the looks, mm-hmm. got the body, um, but I also think he's he does really well with the wholesome, yeah, old yeah. you know old fashioned demeanor. Serious. Yeah, yeah, he's serious. He can crack a joke with the corny. Uh, he, you know, he's kind of the straight man of the group, like, but he's also comes across as very believable in the role too. Like his look, you just, you know, everything about him is just believable that mm-hmm. he's a stand up guy that, especially those in later movies where he really takes stands and stuff. So I, I, I thought he's really well casted. Like, I, I'm glad they went with him in retrospect. Not that I, again, had much thought of it before I watched him in this one. He's the only one I know. So he also seen, and this may be getting ahead a little bit. If so, just cut my legs off Jenny. Uh, mm. But he, he seems like he's really taken the role to heart and that he really like recognizes that this is, this is a series of movies that a lot of kids are going to see. Right. And a lot of impressionable young minds are potentially going to be looking to these actors as role models. Now, I'm not saying that, that's something that you should do or that you should expect a celebrity to to be outside of whatever role that they're playing but like he does seem to have some kind of almost civic responsibility <laughs> in in his approach to playing this character uh mm-hmm. which is also very old fashioned um r- reminds me a little bit of of Christopher Reeve as superman mm. um yeah, and, and I mean these movies are kind of like that too. But anyway, that's definitely getting ahead. Um, and, and I just I don't know. I just really kind of respect that. Not to say that he can't just be a person and live his life, but um, I mean he really seems to take this seriously and mm-hmm. recognize that like it's a big deal that I that I play this character who is the way that he is and is so different from the other especially his you know peers in the marvel cinematic universe right living method for sure my only issue with captain america is his name i know one too many steve rogers (laughs) (laughs) he could certainly afford to go in one of those i don't need another one Uh, and he could have used the test too (laughs) cringe whatever you're captain rogers just give me cap I'm good. <laughs> I knew you were going there. <laughs> um, I was introduced to this Steve Rogers, Captain America first. So any other Steve Rogers are just pretenders to me. So the continuation of my like having trouble with big stars popping in, like years I'm still not used to it. We've talked about it all throughout this. Like when Tommy Lee Jones shows up in this Marvel superhero movie, I'm like all fucking thrown off. I'm like, what is this guy doing? And I, he had done Batman, obviously. Like I know he does like comic stuff and he's like, he fits in, he's good at it. But when he shows up at first, I get, I'm still, still not calibrated. Cause even Chris Evans to me, isn't like a big star, you know, like he's mm-hmm. kind of borderline ish mm-hmm. at this point for me. Um, you know, we, we talked about all, oh, Thor and this is some of the others. But like when I see these guys pop up now after watching those Netflix shows and everything else, like I'm still just thrown off when these these people pop in these movies so yeah i, I think I you mean, could the, say he the does same a good job. yeah yeah you could say the same about like a uh, hugo weaving who's in this and stanley tucci you know that's just like oddball kind of names for a superhero movie i, I almost like- forget that tommy lee jones is in like i don't forget but it's just 
the character is one that, you know, spoiler alert, we don't really see again uh, throughout this series. And his role here is is not a huge one. So mm-hmm. he's just sort of there. He has an important role and he's kind filling out that. Yeah. Right. It's, it's just part of that big, the ensemble that, that you need for your, uh, you know, your heroic, uh, very action adventure feel that they're they're establishing in this movie but i mean yeah there it's one it is one of those when i watch it again i'm like oh right Tommy lee jones is in this mm-hmm. speaking of chris evans we were talking about speaking of like what he was doing before this we talked about it with you know robert downey and even hemsworth yeah i totally forgot not only was he was chris evans human torch but he was casey jones in the 07 teenage mutant ninja turtles Oh, I totally shit. forgot about that. Yeah, I, I totally that. forgot about that. Wasn't well, that the animated thing? No, it was. Um, yeah, it was kind of animated. It was Not like really. half and half. It was like fifty-fifty, okay. like half animated, half half uh, CGI. Hmm. It's kind of like Robotech, the movie. But I had no idea. That, I totally forgot he was in that. I thought he was pretty much, you know. Hmm. And then he did some other. You know, he was in Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, and he was in. Yeah, I was just remembering that. So, so he had his share of whiffs and minor successes but he definitely needed this let's put it that way i mean it's to the point now i cannot picture anyone else playing yeah i mean no 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 so i definitely ate my words and the true love of steve rogers life um bucky barnes played by (laughs) sebastian stan uh I don't know him. I, you you know, shipper. I'm, you devilish uh, shipper. Imagine me. Devilish shipping, woman. <laughs> imagine me shipping them. Mm. Uh, yeah. Uh, I like their, you know, I, I have a, a weakness for bromance. So I, I like their chemistry and it makes, I don't want to spoil anything, but their um, story here. Mm-hmm. It influences a lot going forward in, in the rest of his next two movies for Captain America. So it's very important that they get that right. And I think they did with Sebastian. Hmm. Uh, I have complex, controversial feelings there. Uh, and that I don't know if my issue is so much Sebastian Stan or the Bucky character. Uh, I will just say, without going off into other lands and other mm-hmm. films mm-hmm. that I, I think he's really good in this one. Mm-hmm. I, I like their friendship. I buy into it. Uh, I like that. It's kind of different from what you would expect. Certainly different from uh, the way it played out in the comics. Um, so yeah, I, I think he's cast well and the character is, is used to good effect. And this movie so who do you think is the true love of steve's life then if it's not bucky if it's not bucky right oh well (laughs) we're gonna be telling tales out of school but clearly it's it's sam wilson (laughs) (laughs) on your left baby um Mm -hmm. (laughs) no but really it's Haley atwell who is peggy carter um, she is working for the military or whatever in this capacity i don't know jack shit about peggy carter and, uh, to be honest with you, like, I know she got a spinoff show on this for on TV, or was it already a show? I don't, I never know the timeline, but, um, 
That was after this. It was, I figured it probably was. And then a lot of people liked that show. I never watched it. Um, I, I, I'm kind of lukewarm on her. And mm. I, I don't know. How do you, how do you feel about Peggy Carter, Scott? Um, she, um, I don't know. She's a lot more, uh, ancillary than, uh, you know, uh, than any of the other, like, she's not as important as Pepper. Mm -hmm. Uh, She's not as important as, uh, well, we're not going to get into, uh, what's her name in Thor. Um, I don't make any comparisons to her, but, um, Peggy Carter, she did have an occasional resting bitch face in this movie. Mm -hmm. She didn't have a two and a half hour resting bitch face like, like, uh, like uh, Natalie did, but, um, I mean, she was okay. I mean, obviously in Cap's eyes, I mean, that's the, you know, the light of his world and, and that's what, you know, frustrates him throughout the time of the MCU is that he, you know, and um, obviously when we get to that point, we'll talk more about, um, his relationship with her when we get to the end. But, uh, even though she's so important to him, I feel like particularly in this movie, uh, which is practically the only one she's in really, um, she's not that important, to be honest. I think she's there, um, but she her presence on the screen is not as um strong as some of the other women in the previous movies, like Gwyneth, uh, or sadly Natalie, only because she's in it so fucking much. Uh, so I didn't. She's am I'm ambivalent to her, like. When I just watched it during Christmas, when I was catching up on uh, the movies, when we started this, and I watched it, I'm like, yeah, she's okay. I didn't watch the show, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't. I don't really watch Agents of Shield either, but um, so I, I don't have a, a dog in the fight when it comes to her. But I, she didn't bring as much to the story as she probably needed to. But I'm fine with that. The story was good on its own anyway. It's more about him fighting the Nazis and fighting the the skull, and it, she's just there. And and you really don't think about her in in terms of Cap's life until the end, mm-hmm. in my opinion. So it's like, all right, she's there. That's nice. You know, didn't do anything for me either way. She's what'd okay. What do you think about Peggy, Justin? Yeah, no, I thought she was fine. Um, <clears throat> I don't have much to say either way. Uh, I, I think they don't. Um, I don't. I wouldn't say she's as instrumental, and this isn't because of anything she did, as some of the other female characters we've seen so mm-hmm. far. And that's only because they don't really reveal like what she's doing and the role she's playing almost until even in other movies like mm-hmm. that. She works with Shield, that she was working with mm-hmm. Howard Stark. Like we don't really find that out here. She just seems like she's sorry with Tommy Lee and part of the, you know, command in the army. Um, like it, it plays out a little bit more as it goes, but she's almost a little undercovery. Mm-hmm. So you don't really get the full effect of her being like a top person in this movie. Yeah, I would agree with that. And there's not much emphasis on romance anyway. So, which, which is surprising because it's a '40s war movie, right. which usually are like loaded with like you know, romance and um, you know the soldier coming home to the female, you know, to his mm-hmm. wife or to, you know girlfriend or whatever. Like, yeah, it's usually a big trope in these types of movies. Even even right down to a League of Their Own, right? I mean, that's mm-hmm. <laughs> like all of it. Like when mm-hmm. you think of that era and tied in with World War Two. Um, that's usually the type of storyline that threads through it. So it's interesting that they didn't go full on with the, um, you know, love romance stuff. Yeah, I, I definitely picked up on that too. It's, I find this a, a movie that's very romantic without having a lot of actual courtship. You mm-hmm. know, it's, there's, and, and I think that speaks to 
Peggy's character also in that because their relationship, such as it is, is so understated, it can come across as um, her not having a huge presence, and, and she doesn't in terms of screen time, but I think that's very deliberate and very smart because the fact that she and Steve do not get a lot of time together and we don't see a, a traditional romantic relationship play out between them, I think really punctuates that gut, pu- that gut punch at the ending, uh, you know, where he's going down and mm-hmm. saying, you know, we never got that dance. And you're realizing it as if you were going, oh, fuck, it's really not going to happen for them, uh, which really defies expectations mm-hmm. it, it, for this type of film um, and for the, the tone of the film also, uh, just what it seemed to be leading up to. Um, I will say I think Haley <clears throat> Haley Atwell is, is really brilliant. Uh, the Peggy Carter character I like a lot just as – I mean, from the moment you see her on screen, she's this no-nonsense, like, uh, her her rank is, pretty much goes unquestioned. Her authority basically goes unquestioned. There's not right. like one of those cliche scenes of, mm-hmm. oh, we're, we got to take orders from a girl, and right, right, yeah. her doing mm-hmm. some girl boss move. Like, they don't do any of that bullshit. But to me, that kind of speaks to what I was saying before, like, that they don't really establish her role, though. So, like... To us watching mm-hmm. that, I guess it's just supposed to be understood because they're treating her that way. They, it's already baked in that she's yeah. high ranking, but we don't really get that in there, you know. And I like that. I, I you know, I, I guess there maybe there are ways that, that you could have finessed that without going big and cliche. But um, I like the way it was presented. I, I mm-hmm. thought it it worked really well. Um, you know, and and does give us kind of a kind of wet our appetite for what's to come for for this character and subsequent films and in this universe. I also like the tie-ins to everything. I guess to get into the movie itself, um, mm-hmm. like I like having Howard Stark at the World Expo. He's the doctor doing the experiment. Like we haven't, you know, we've heard of him, and obviously through the stories of Tony that we've seen so far. But I, to me, this was really the first movie where that really started to tie the universe together beyond just like credit scenes and teases mm-hmm. uh this is where they're starting to show like all of this shit is intertwined mm-hmm. right we see the tesseract later we see and now we see howard stark and now we see the origins of you know what will become shield so like all in the avengers like all of this stuff is kind of starting to swirl whereas the, the first four movies while there were some light ties all felt very isolated now this is like okay we're, we're threading to where all the shit's going to be connected yeah i think they're learning how to put the movies together to make mm-hmm. it feel that way well, something that, that I never even noticed on that point until doing a um, very hardcore <laughs> chronological watch um, last year heading into Avengers Endgame, the town where Johann Schmidt at the beginning of the movie, I think it's the first scene where he recovers the Tesseract, it's that same town in Norway where the, the Frost Giants, Justin, your favorite, um, were invading in the beginning oh. of Thor, where it was like set centuries ago, and there's this oh, battle, really? yeah, mm-hmm. just, mm-hmm. and uh, Odin repels them or whatever, and it it literally is that that same town in Norway that oh, that's interesting, yeah, it comes up on screen. I, it was just such a tiny detail that I I never noticed that until really watching those uh, 
scenes really back to back. But yeah, they are they are pulling the world together. We we get the Tesseract, uh, you know, the Starks also, uh, so that immediately establishes some kind of um, complicated relationship uh, mm-hmm. through a degree of separation between Steve and Tony, as yeah. we will see later on. So good stuff there. Um. All right. So. <laughs> I like the technology in this movie that changes the sickly little scrawny. Ah, oh, that blew my mind. And <laughs> then he gets in this machine, and then bam, swole ass Chris Evans comes out. Mm. Yeah, but so are you, do you mean the kayfabe technology or the real technology? Both. Because the, both of the real technology. Yeah, I, I spent the first. The only thing with this movie is I spent the first half hour trying to figure out if that was Chris Evans because <laughs> like I didn't really know who was Captain America until I watched the movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so I'm watching. I'm like, wait a minute, is this Chris Evans or is this like like, like I was all thrown off because he's so fucking small. So I probably just read before we started recording tonight like how they did the technology <laughs> to make him look small because my yeah. mind was blown. I even have it in my notes. How do they make him small and then big? Um, because it's, it's almost it's off putting because his head is still kind of the same size, yes. but the rest of his body is small. <laughs> it looks like an action figure. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. The whole thing is weird. So like. <laughs> It really took me a while to grasp that it was him with some technology behind it. Because I'm like, wait, did, did they film this when he was a kid? You know, <laughs> I'm like trying to figure it all out. <laughs> yeah, I love that they had to reverse engineer him mm-hmm. because he he actually did blow up huge. You know, I guess took a lot of that Icapro uh, for <laughs> for this role. It uh, you know, it stayed that way for quite some time. And so they had to, you know, shrink him down using technology rather than uh, blow him up. So sort of a, a reverse uh, kayfabe situation there. Uh, yeah, when he gets out of that machine, it is just like, bam. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. Hello. Um, I, I love Peggy's reaction, too, where she's like handing him a t- the towel but kind of wants to touch his chest but yeah. knows that she can't. yeah it's kind of like a, a Steve Stefan Urkel thing <laughs> where he goes into the comes out of Stefan and also Lars oh and my god family what the fuck <laughs> that's about the closest comp I can think of also oh. um Schmidt, uh, Red Skull there. I thought yeah. he looked like Andre from the League, so that was a little off-putting. <laughs> <laughs> That's awful. Well, uh, this is the... For him to come out of the hat. <clears throat> this is kind of like the beginnings of this cool thing that the Marvel Cinematic Universe does in de-aging, uh, anti-aging, sizing, and all kinds of fun stuff that we get to see yeah. evolve. But- why don't we talk about Schmidt for a minute? Schmidt. Old Johann Schmidt, Hugo Weaving. Um, I've always liked that. I mean, the character is called the Red Skull. And the thing with any character that has a um, somewhat unique uh, physical um, uh, uh, aspect to them is they want to naturally mug for the camera because they're a celebrity and, mm-hmm. you know, they don't want to be behind a mask. They don't want to be, um, having some disfiguring, uh, prosthesis on them, but, uh, he really gets to be red skull for a lot of this movie. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he is looking like Hugo weaving for about the first, I don't know, quarter or so. He right. sheds, shed, he, sheds that mask and it's it's all it's all red skull from here on out let's it all hang out 
They kind of use the Jim Carrey mask technology. It felt like it looked very mm-hmm. similar. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like it, it's also kind of mind blowing to me that like everyone just accepts that this Nazi has this demon face with no skin, like walking around. <laughs> like I know that they're all part of like Hydro, whatever. This is like their super science division, but yeah. like, even though he's just walking around like normally throughout the back half of the movie, like oh yeah. Like this is putting to anyone that this guy is walking around with no skin uh, and this demon face. Like I feel like people should be a little more uh, worried beyond just his Nazi dies that this guy was like an alien fucking running the Nazis. Fuck that guy. If I saw that guy, I wouldn't say shit either. (laughs) People scary as hell. Like I ain't fucking with him. <laughs> well, they had the scene with the portrait and the guy. His uh, he's posing sort of in the shadows, and you just see all this red <laughs> on the palette, <laughs> which is, is such a great scene. It is. Uh, but it, I mean, it's it's just sort of that they go very big with these characters, and they're they're all like playing these archetypes basically. And Red Skull is is the big the big bad. It, doesn't really get much worse than Nazis. We might not be calling them Nazis in this movie, you know, for marketing reasons. They're Hydra, mm-hmm. but they're Nazis, and uh, it's it's just very pulp. It's mm-hmm. uh, kind of cut from that that Indiana Jones cloth, you know. They're I mean they're movie Nazis, but still there there's a lot of crazy shit that just sort of goes unstated within the universe of the film, um, and I appreciate that. It just sort of it just sort of goes for it. Also going for it, which is one of my favorite when they're like chasing um, Steve's chasing the one of the Hydra guys through the town, mm-hmm. and the fucking U boat appears from under the water. Like, what oh, yeah. fucking absurd was that? I was like, what the <laughs> fuck? In Brooklyn, a hidden U boat is in the Brooklyn River or whatever the fuck they were. Um, was like unbelievable. Hudson River, <laughs> what river is that? Scott? <laughs> Definitely not the Brooklyn River. No, there's no Brooklyn. No, there's no Brooklyn. Is that the East River? I think it's East River, yeah. yeah. So just like a U-boat. Like, well, like, it's not even just like a little getaway. It's like a fucking U-boat yeah, comes out from gigantic. up the... Yeah, <laughs> that we That we apparently just allowed to have under the water and nobody yeah, like, realized it was fucking there. Yeah. I guess they're using the hydro oh, yeah. technology to hide it. Hydro technology. But the uh, the World War II propaganda, like, soaking through this thing was really something, right? I mean, I know that was life at that time. Yeah. But... God, it's like crazy to see it like play out that way, like all the jingoistic stuff going on, and them using Captain America not as a sh- soldier that's like got these superpowers, but instead of just being, you know, a guy to raise war bonds and get people to you know enlist and all this other stuff was interesting because they could have put anyone yeah. in that com- any jacked up guy and used him for his actual resources. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's interesting that that's the route that they felt they went with this guy, and that borrows from the character's comics origins too, where, as Scott referenced, I mean the. On the cover of his debut issue, Captain America Comics number one from the forties, he's punching out Adolf Hitler. Um, this is before America has even entered the war, so uh, they're making a statement with that comic. And you're not going to do that in terms of um, having a faithful <laughs> adaptation in film, but instead they they go very meta with it like they want to acknowledge that aspect of the character without actually doing it in the film so they they kind of go this deep propaganda route and my mind was blown actually seeing some of that stuff play out in the theater for the first time watching this like that was the moment where something just clicked in my mind where i thought like this this film just went from good to great that they could sort of have their cake and eat it too. have him punching out Hitler, but it's not 
as ridiculous as as that would be in a serious movie like they you know like i say they they go very meta with it in a way that just totally works and and totally serves uh the story of this film i loved it moving forward uh, you know what i i'm just going to say it like this is not one of my favorite yeah, marvel you're movies. struggling i could tell i'm struggling you're- because I just never could with this movie. And I've watched it and I've watched it and I still don't know what the fuck happens because I just don't know. I have some sort of weird disconnect with this movie. Um, Well, I mean, it's a war movie, right? And I love war movies. It's like all of this. It's not really a war movie, though. It's It's like a sci-fi war movie. Period drama. You know, it's it's an adventure movie. It's not like a gritty. It's not Saving Private Ryan. You know, is it a war movie more than like Wonder Woman to you, Tim? No, I think it's pretty much the same as Wonder Woman. Um, Yeah, I, I would consider a war movie Wonder Woman. I guess it depends on what you consider a war movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, a movie set in a war where a war is happening? <laughs> oh, that's way too vague. <laughs> well, I mean, they're literally fighting in World War II in this movie in the 40s. I mean, that's to me, that's a war movie. Well, I, I don't know if it's just like, just because, like, my interest in Captain America as a character, he seems sort of vanilla to me, and so it's not super mm. exciting like uh, is he not tony stark so i'm just not as invested like i think he's great and the movie is probably good it's just not for me and well, it's so weird because the next two movies the captain mm-hmm. america movies are like freaking amazing and some of my yeah, favorites so and, but i don't want to get too ahead on that because i it's points i just because i just watched one of them mm-hmm. um and, and it was making me think back to this one and what you're saying jenny in in him being maybe a little bland on his own, sorry Tim, but um, and like I said, I'm a fan. I, I, mean, uh, I wouldn't disagree with that assessment. But if you look at how they frame those other movies with him in it, it like who's in it? Every other star, right? Exactly. I mean, it's like it's it's not just that. him. It's, yeah. it's his movie, his name on the marquee, but they're loading it with all of the other, mm-hmm. and it's basically like another Avengers, right? So it's like it's interesting to me that maybe they didn't feel like he could carry his own. I mean, even Thor got a second where he carries it on his own, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting to me that and maybe Cap's got another one after that. Yeah. I don't know, but from where we're at, he, uh, you know, actually, I guess I've seen the other two, and yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they're loaded up. So maybe they realized like he wasn't a guy that could carry carry his own movie after this one. I think he's perfectly capable as as a lead, just in terms of what kind of character he is. But you're going to get a lot more out of him through that just juxtaposition against other characters who are not anything like him and just mm-hmm. how the world functions through his lens. You know, I mean the appeal of the character in the modern day is that he's this man out of time. Right. And he, you know, he has these old fashioned values, so to speak. But at the end of the day, you would hope that good people have the same good values, even if their methods are a little bit different and <clears throat> the later films in the series really, really lean into that and make the most of it. Here, um, it's all just incredibly un- unapologetically sincere, just yeah. from top to bottom. Right. Uh, I mean, through throughout just the tone of the movie, through the characters, especially Steve Rogers. Um, but I think, you know, because he manages, and again, credit to Chris Evans, he 
is just so thoroughly genuine and mm-hmm. earnest and it, it doesn't come across to me anyway. Maybe Jenny, I would welcome you to say different if you feel that way. Um, but he just, he doesn't come off as annoying or no, no. sanctimonious. No, no, no. Way no it's pure. It's pure. Yeah, it and and pure. it's also what makes him stand out too is his, his powers aren't like super, super fine. I mean, he is, but he's still, just like a human. You know what I mean? Like he's not, wearing an iron suit he doesn't blow up the big green monster he does not flying with a magic hammer you know what i mean like he's just a he's just a guy who's like super strong and can run and stuff you know real fast obviously he's he's got superpowers but it's he's just like he doesn't change he's just this guy and that's him which i think makes him stand out as well in a different way yeah absolutely and there's Scott. the shield and there's the shield the shield yeah definitely the, the shield, shield is great i mean yeah, you figure a guy who carries a shield as his only weapon seems just like a very passive sort of mm-hmm. character, mm-hmm. and I love that it's just anything but. <laughs> so, anyway, I mean, we see him use use guns in this movie also, um, but I mean, the shield is his his primary just go to and the one constant throughout these movies. Mm. It's interesting to me when the um, Schmidt and him like was talking to him during the speech there, and he says like we've left humanity behind. Like he's almost talking like they have this history together woven in. And that was mm-hmm. one of my other little issues of this movie is um, I feel like Cap present- progresses almost too quickly. Uh, like he's new to all this, and they play mm-hmm. that up sometimes. But then other times, like Schmidt's talking like they go way back, and then Cap like learns the powers pretty quickly. Like he's mm-hmm. jumping around. Felt like yeah. you know I know maybe we're advancing a little time, but to me it feels like. He goes from being a scrawny dude that goes inside this tube and comes out jacked to all of a sudden, you know, moving around like all like Kurt Angle in 2002. Yeah, it's like just wrecking shop. You know, we don't see the progression of it. And that even goes right down to the end where he's flying a plane. Like, like, wh- how did he learn to fly this well, this plane? Like, he was just a, a scrub, you know, wannabe for so long. And then he was a propaganda tool. And now all of a sudden he's like the best Air Force, you know, pilot in the I, world. I do think there is a line and. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I, I might be conflating comics and film here, but I believe the idea is that this super soldier serum and this process that enhances him, enhances him not only physically but mentally right. as well, mm-hmm. just in the sense that he's much sharper when he comes out of it. Right. Um, so when he learns a new skill or is exposed to right. you know, some kind of... Tactical, yeah, military. I just don't think they explain that. Like, even a throwaway from Stark would have been worth it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we're going to see it's all, you know, this is why he's a super soldier. It's not only his strength, but also his mind. You know, like something, and I don't know, I guess we don't maybe always need the sledgehammer of plot, you know, trademark Scott Keith hammered <laughs> into your head. But uh, at times, like, to me, it was like a little, it took me out of it just for a minute because I'm like, oh, like, oh, all right, he's already flying this plane. Like, it would have been nice if they just ex- took a second, even if even if he wasn't. There's a line. There oh, might not have been. I mean, there might or it could have been deleted. Who knows? But um, I don't know. I I just um, yeah. I I totally see your point. It, if if it was there, it certainly wasn't. They didn't press that point. Right. And, I mean, what, look, we we need we need to save time here. I mean, otherwise, if we if we do scenes where he's learning how to fly a plane, the movie be fucking four no, hours. No, but just long. say it. We so, don't I mean, see him. I mean, well, that was Star Wars, but we don't need to see him, you know, learn how to fly the plane and all that. But just just say, explain that he's learned. Have him say right. it or something. You know, like, where did you learn this? Well, you know, hey, I woke up and I knew how. Like, just say something versus, like, all of a sudden he's just, like, navigating this plane into the Arctic or whatever. It's just, like, I don't know. And even when he's uh, 
you know, and like I said, even the stuff with Schmidt where they're talking, like they just kind of make these leaps that weren't there. But you know, I'm nitpicking, but that's what we're trying to do with these movies, right? So oh, to yeah. me, this is what separates this from some of the better ones is that they're not taking the time. And Tim, you called out earlier a point where they took the time to show this was the same town in Norway, et cetera, et cetera. So we know they can do it and they have the ability to do it. I just thought this is one where they missed showing why he all of a sudden can do all this stuff and is aware. And that's one of my favorite like tropes of an origin story anyway, is the new hero figuring out how to use his powers, how to do his thing. And that's something that I miss in this movie. I don't think it was as big a deal because they were in the heat of the moment and he kind of winged it. I don't know. Maybe there was enhanced intelligence to go with the, with the super strength. There had to be. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, and I, I mean, I, I'm fine with it. We had too much shit going on to, to deal with that. We just, oh, Hey, flies a plane. Cool. Let's go get the fucking Tesseract or whatever. I mean, like we have no time to deal with this. We have to move on and well, again, it's, it's just a line though. Like to explain, like, why are they trying? I don't know. It is. It, this was a leap for me. That's all. Like all of a sudden, he's using all these powers, and, and just like he had just come, this guy. Like we've seen every other superhero take time, and even Tony Stark, this brilliant genius to build these suits, like took time to own, you know, to hone the the suit and how to work it. And you know, we saw him flying around and crashing. You know what I he- think it is? I'll tell you what it is. I think what it is is is, and this is not a uh, this is not derogatory by any stretch. I think this is just more the, the way of it is. You were. You're watching this as not a, and, and this is going to be, this is going yeah, to be true that, of all of them. Let me finish. Let me finish. No, let me finish. Let me finish. You're watching it as not someone who ever watched anything. So Marvel, for the most part, and help me out, Tim Jenny, on this if you can, is most of the, a, a high majority of those watching these movies already know the backstory. They just want to see how it looks on the screen. Then why do origin stories? And, well, you got to start somewhere. Why? If everyone knows well, they make, about it, they make for good story. stories. I mean, they just they just make for good stories, even though yeah. But so my, know my point it. is though, like, I think that's bullshit because we like the Iron Man backstory in origin made perfect sense to me, as did as shitty as it was Hulk and also even Thor. Like Thor is you know way more mystical and fucking complicated than this, and I fully grasped everything they had going on with him and his backstory. Like I, to me, it was just a lazy point that they missed. Um, it's not anything against the movies. And if they're only aiming at comics fans, then that's even more ridiculous, which I don't agree with. I don't think they are. I think they're trying to make these into big blockbusters and getting new fans like me. Um, but I mean, if you're just assuming that, okay, well, anyone who watches this already knows that Captain America is like, has a super brain with a superpower. Well, I don't think everyone probably knows that. So I just, I just think it was a miss here. It's not, not shitting on the movie. I just think that one particular thing could have been, more better explained and they have done it in other movies and they do it in ones to come. I do think that they, they do a pretty good job of giving us the sense that there are a lot of missions that Captain America goes on that he leads that we don't necessarily see. There's that montage after he yeah. rescues Buck, Bucky and the rest of uh, the, the howling commandos uh, yeah. where they, yeah. they just show him basically blowing shit up and kicking ass. And- well, you also take into account, too, and, and actually, Tim, you kind of answered the question. Um, he had all these guys to do all that stuff for him. He's jumping out of the planes. Everybody else is flying them. And if you think about it, J.R., and you mentioned the plane flying into the Pacific or into the Arctic, he really didn't have a fucking clue what he was doing. Otherwise, he wouldn't have flown down. Into the- <laughs> He's looking at it like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing here. No, and he didn't so- do that because he didn't know what he was doing. He did it because it was tactical, right? He knew that that was the only way to... Cr- prevent the weapons from blowing up well that plus there was nowhere else for him to land either but he kind of just let the plane kind of go in but my but tim makes a good point that it you're kind of alluded to the fact that while he's doing these missions 
he's not really the one flying. Like Neil McDonough's flying, and the the other dudes flying. And yeah, we still using all the, his powers. It's fine. We spent way too much time on this. My whole point was just that I thought they could have better explained. See all the time we had to take to get through it. They could have just taken two minutes to say, "Hey, this power comes right. the ability, the knowledge to do all this stuff. It's you don't have to learn it because it's going to be innate to you now." Um, not brother Nate. It's gonna be innate to you. <laughs> innate. No, no, brother Nate, everything you learn immediately. We don't need a bad. Yeah, I, I mean, know. Iron, it's be inherent to you. It's gonna be part of you now. Iron That's Man's it. origin is like the first act of his movie because Iron Man's a pretty cinematic character, and it's it's cool to see him building armor and flying around and doing cool things. Captain America, he could have gotten, I would agree, two minutes just to establish. Here are his powers. Here's why he's adept at using them. We're not going to devote you know, a whole 30 minute stretch of the movie to it, because frankly, it's not as cool to see Captain America using yeah. his powers as it is <laughs> Iron Man. But here you go. Here's your two minutes. Yeah, I, no, I think- two, three minutes, you know, maybe struggling with something. And, and Stark is like, look, just trust yourself. It's inside you. You know it. You know what I mean? Like something like that. That's all you need. Like just, just trust your instinct. The, you know, the instant, you know, you're, you got the instincts along with these powers and just trust. <laughs> sure. Mm. Sure. Uh, God, what else? Uh, <laughs> I like the uh, 40s cheesy humor. Like that, that was big oh, yeah. in here as well. I thought they capture, as a period piece, I thought they captured the atmosphere well. Like I think yes. it feels 40s ish. Oh, um, yeah. Comic did the same thing. I, um, God, I would have <laughs> <laughs> No, you really wouldn't. So that's why we're here telling you. There are stretches no, of. They weren't I'm in the movie. Gonna... <laughs> I'm going to no sell y'all. <laughs> For a movie. This I ain't think, the place yeah. to be podcast. Y'all save it for that shit. <laughs> That's right. This is Jenny's podcast. Um, we hug. Well, I, I've been hugging. Have you not noticed me? Uh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I won't be ignored. <laughs> <laughs> Don't boil anything. <laughs> Glad you picked up one. Thank you. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, so yeah, the the tone, the forties tone, the, the goofy humor, it all feels sort of dreamlike in, mm-hmm. in a way. Some of the, even some of the like the interior scenes, like there's a softness in the way that they're lit. It just, I don't know, it it has a very distinctive feel. Everybody kind of criticizes, especially later uh, as the series progresses, the MCU for having this sort of homogenized house look and. I mean, this is one movie where you don't really see that at all. It, it is very much its own thing with its own identity, um, much to its benefit. So, yeah, I, I, another thing that I just uh, – it, it makes it easy to go back to because it does feel like it's cut from a different cloth. You know what's funny? That Hydra is a, a super secret group or whatever, and then they put Hydra all over everything. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, did at one point did anybody say like, what's Hydra? You know? Yeah, they're certainly not hiding it that much. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, yeah. And it's interesting too how it from here on out, once they establish it, which they do a good job of, like it becomes, it's almost like the, I guess the hand or whatever. Like you know, Scott, we talked about a lot. We did that. Yes. Netflix shows that yep. kind of no, weaves right. through the whole universe. Yep. Um, it's very similar to that, right? Where they're kind of the, the evil across the world in all different permeations. Um current and beyond at least for where i'm at and infiltrated uh, all throughout governments and hidden and you know right it's all very yeah. hush hush until they put their fucking name on their bombs and shit. <laughs> until they're until they're wearing like all fucking shit yeah. uh tommy lee's super jet car 
um, that comes out of nowhere was very interesting as well. Um, I know they explained it by saying Stark created it for him, but it's just funny to see this old. Uh, I, I can only tell me because, you know, you think he's going to be this old school like war guy, but mm-hmm. then they have him being like very kind of modern and adapting to the technology and everything that he's been given. <laughs> and and mm-hmm. he's not doing it super reluctantly, but I like that they're basically saying like, hey, you know, this old guy's adapting and look, it's helping them a ton. And now he's got the supercar that he can drive around. So I kind of like that part of it, too, with him. Mm. Yeah, that's a nice touch to that character. I agree. He's not just a curmudgeon, you know, idiot. Good casting choice, though. I agree with you, Jr. That it almost seems off-putting. Yeah. But at this point, and I, as I'm as I was rewatching my, it's funny you brought that up earlier. And I, I as I was rewatching them, I said to myself, "When do we get to the point where they become big?" Like we talked about it with the first with Tony's first one in with Hulk that. They seemed very rough and rudimentary and didn't have that MCU feel yet. Um, mm-hmm. This one starts has the most MCU feel before we get to the first Avengers. That one. Even that, yeah, it does. But actually, I mean, I don't know what an MCU feel is again uh, <laughs> from where I'm coming from. But to me, the first blockbuster feeling one is the next Captain America. Like even the first Avengers feels like they're cobbling it together still. You know what I mean? And I, I guess we'll so. get there, but yeah, I mean it's, it feels like a huge deal. But right. because we're learning a lot about like some of the characters that show up there are new. They're putting them together, uh, and then Iron Man you start to feel. But I and and whatever Dark Planet is what it is. But uh, Dark Roll, whatever it is. Uh, but I think uh, the next cap is where it really kicks off and they feel <laughs> dark like movie, huge summer blockbuster, dark garbage. Yeah, you know, no, yeah. <clears throat> Anyway, you know my, point think, is, my point is, yeah, let me, oh, sorry, Tim, let me just get up before I forget mm-hmm. it. Um, yeah, you, you get the feeling that that Tommy Lee Jones, a, a, a comic veteran or a comic movie veteran, as Jared mentioned, he was, of course, Two-Face and not a very good one, by the way. Um, How dare you? Uh, um, I like them. Well, mm-hmm. he, he wasn't. Uh, that's a whole other conversation, but he wasn't the Two-Face that the book interpreted. But anyway, um, that's a different conversation. But mm-hmm. uh he added credibility, so I was okay with it. I mean, I'm not saying him in it was not okay, but it didn't hit me. I could see how it would hit you and others that, wow, Tommy Lee Jones is in this, like, nothing kind of rudimentary comic book movie. But he definitely added – this is another case where no, – it was the opposite to me. That's weird that he's in a comic book movie. Not that it's rudimentary and weird. Like, to me, it was just – like, I'm just not used to big stars being in these things. That's all. That's what I'm saying. No, like, it, I, it has nothing to the level of the movie. It's more that it's a comics movie, not like a low-level comics movie. Right. Well, the other thing, too, is that Tommy Lee Jones is kind of at the – I don't say the back end of his career. How do I word that? He's an older actor, so he's at that point. That makes it even more jarring to me. Like, imagine Al Pacino popping in this. You know what I mean? It was <laughs> – well, Al Pacino's in anything at this point. But uh, he, he – uh, I, I think it adds – like, if this came out – I mean, I was more jarring that he was in Batman Forever than in this, to be honest. But – um, anyway, the, it was a good job for the casting here, and it kind of backs up your point that you said earlier about this about Cap not like not being able to stand on his own because he's not really that exciting, uh, which I half agree with. Uh, and you beef up the cast with an unbelievable bad guy. I love Hugo Weaving; he's great in everything. Oh my god, um, he's fucking amazing, and he was great in this. So you have a good heel, just like wrestling. Good heels make good faces. Um, and you have a good supporting group, um, like Neil McDonough, you know, Star Trek veteran eventually becomes a, a DC TV veteran, you know, guy, he's a good guy. So they added a lot of good supporting group behind around him. 
so that actually made it better. But I, I, I like I wish, this. I do kind of wish it was Danny DeVito and not Tommy Lee <laughs> Jones. <laughs> Deandra, get the Tesseract! Let's go! <laughs> Maybe Holy I would fun. like this movie better if it was. Oh, God. Jolly, let's go. Come on. Jolly. <laughs> And it was Michelle Pfeiffer instead of uh, or whatever name, Haley Atwell. Yeah. Uh, anyway. All right. So in conclusion. She'll find her way into these movies. I, I, I yeah. have a couple more. You think so? Okay, yeah. go for it. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, I, I found it surprising. And again, I think this is me coming off the, um, and I hate to keep referencing because the only frame reference I have is the Netflix shows. <laughs> um, outside of Punisher, many of the um, heroes didn't kill people. But mm-hmm. Cap's been very open to killing people in this movie. Um, he wasn't against it. And I, I think that changes when they get to the future. So I don't know if that's like a change they make. But I, I noticed many of the heroes here aren't against it either. Like they're not – they're trying to save innocent folks, but they're not against like waxing people if they have to. Whereas mm-hmm. the other movies, like they always wanted to just bring them to justice and let the justice system handle it, especially like Daredevil. Uh, but even Jessica Jones. So like to me it was interesting to have it – again, it's a little jarring to be coming into this world and seeing like Captain America gun a guy down with it. <laughs> fucking machine gun um like like this is captain america i don't know he's supposed to be killing people um and i know he's a soldier but uh so anyway that that always stood out to me too well jessica jones isn't chasing nazis either <laughs> she's she's also in like the kind of the half it's not it's war as compared to like just street crime too so it's a little different but yeah, i understand murdering lots of people i mean well it's it's funny that that's something that's remarkable about this movie and this character because it's a it's an aspect of the character that writers have gone back and forth throughout the decades in the comics. Whether Cap kills sometimes under some interpretations, he they'll say he just has a total hard line against it and never killed anybody, even when he was a soldier in war, which is kind of a stretch. Others yeah. say others say yeah, no, he totally killed people during the war. He was a soldier. Absolutely. Kills him here. Kills him here in this movie, yeah. And in the present day, like you said, he tries to avoid it, but right. sometimes shit happens. Um, lots of lots of different opinions on that. So it that's one of those. Um, yeah, what's what's the ideal take? It just depends on who you ask. Um, you can I, argue the hand are basically Nazis and the other ones, Scott, and they're not killing them. I mean, you know, they do everything they can to not kill them and bring them to justice. It's also not war. The hand doesn't taking over the. I don't know why we're getting into this. <laughs> yeah, they're trying to take over fucking America and the world. What do you mean? The yeah. Daredevil has That's... weird Catholic issues, though. So. <laughs> what the fuck are we doing here? <laughs> Seriously, what are we doing? What are we doing? Anyway, uh, which I anyway. Um, <laughs> don't we all have weird Catholic issues? Uh, Everybody's so, sassy as fuck tonight. I know. Uh, let's see the. The director of this was Joe, Joe Johnston, Joe Johnston. Who, he's one of Lucas's guys, right? The guy he was one of Lucas's guys. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, I remember him from The Rocketeer, nineteen ninety one. I love that. Another, movie. yeah, period piece, war, wartime setting, adventure movie, romance. Mm-hmm. So, thought he was a great choice to do this movie. And I bring it up because Justin, you talked about kind of the piece together kind of patchwork nature of these early films and, and what that feels like. And I think part of that is because that is sort of still 
director oriented. Like you had Favreau, you had Kenneth Branagh here. You've got Joe Johnston. Like these are all direct kind of named directors, right? Who mm-hmm. want to put their stamp on whatever movie they make and are going to have an artistic vision. And as the MCU progresses, it's going to become increasingly more just producer studio driven. Not to say that's a bad thing, but um, it is it is a shift that happens later down the line. And yeah, we're still in that early period where uh, they're wanting name directors. And if the consequence of that is uh, there's sort of a, a creative struggle between what the studio wants, what the director wants for their particular film, um, you know, I think the director wins out and they, they figure it out and patch it back together later if need be. Joe Johnson stepping out. Makes sense. Making models to making movies. That's right. So at the end, we see Cap wakes up in modern day. It's a good little swerve the way they do it. Now, did they induce his sleep or is this like he just happens to wake up? Like, were they trying to wake him up at that point? No, uh, I think he woke up naturally. Yeah. Because he was out in the Arctic. So I think they just took him out, laid him down, and he will wake up eventually. So they find See, him in the Arctic now, or they found him then? Because they don't really say that, like when they found him. They they only find him in the present day. Yeah, they found him in the present day. Yeah. Okay, were they looking for in him the or stumbled upon him? They found the uh, Tesseract or whatever, right? Right. <laughs> right. But did Howard find the Tesseract? Howard found the Tesseract. Howard but found the didn't Tesseract, find but didn't find him. They didn't find him till present day. Yeah, they just they just happened to find the giant airship and realized, oh, there's a frozen person inside here. That's another yeah. thing they don't really explain, right? He's right. just in the hospital room. Which I get, because I think they wanted to like swerve you and make you think he was waking up in 1940. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. And not this. Uh, but, you know, it's, it, it's cool how he figures out what's going on uh, and then wakes up. But you instantly feel sad because you realize like it clicks immediately that everything he knew was gone and like oh, yeah. Jones is dead. <laughs> you don't yeah. know where Peggy is. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe she's dead. Um, so it's like and it makes you sad that that world is now officially gone. Like they, we just lived through this whole time um, in an instant. Not because the movie ended, but because it's moving on without them. So it's a great way of uh, putting you in the character's shoes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, I think overall it's a good origin story. Uh, I, I just thought the finish line was a little weird. Uh, I just had a little, little trouble piecing that all together, which I think is why I ended up a little bit on the lower end originally on this. I have all my grades since after we talked to Thor. Um, but I think discussing it through, I was expecting to be feeling bad that I had ranked a little bit lower, but it actually brought to life some of the issues I must have experienced while watching this a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, that put me there because I do think I think there's some holes and there's some pieces that weren't as tightly woven together as we've seen in the other movies. And again, this is you know nitpicking at times. Like I get it, uh, but these movies deserve to be nitpick because they're also good. Mm. I agree. Final thoughts? Anybody else before we get to our awards? Tim, come on. <laughs> You're pressing me. Um, I don't know. I, I found this movie just to be a really refreshing change of pace in 2011. Just the, which is, I mean, 20, 2011, 2020. What's the fucking difference, frankly, right? Like this age of peak irony that we live in. You know, it just gets so incredibly fucking exhausting all the time for just everything to feel like who's the biggest edgelord in the room 
at your gender reveal party. You know, just God, it. You get this movie with a purely just wholesome character, just completely like an iconoclast at odds with the time. It kind of shouldn't work, but it totally does. And for someone like me who, you know, I'm a little bit jaded. I kind of lead with cynicism more often than not. Um, it helps to have a character like this to just sort of check me and call me on my bullshit. And I mean, I think that's why I gravitate so much to Captain America, just having that kind of aspirational type of figure. Mm -hmm. Right. So I just, I went into this movie because the character was so important to me, like prepared to really rip it apart. Like Mm -hmm. when you really love something, you have a very specific vision of, of how it needs to be done. And, you know, this gets into fan entitlement, of course, too, which is bad and wrong, but it, it is what it is. And I was like, I was prepared to be very harsh in, in assessing this film. Like, if they didn't give me, quote unquote, my Captain America, then I was going to be disappointed. And I came out of it just loving it. I thought they totally nailed it. So, just for me to think as highly of this film as I do sort of puts it in a class above just other movies in the series that I like um, just because I find the character more personally important. If, if that, if I can get away with saying that <laughs> you can um, Scott, what do you think? Um. Uh, like Tim, uh, for someone who knows the origin story well, I thought they did a great job, uh, you know, point for point. Um, Chris Evans did hit a home run. I thought the casting, once again, was great. Feige and those guys uh, and gals did not blow it again. Um, everybody that was put in all their slots were fantastic. Um, I thought it, the story was a little slow in the middle, um, kind of between when Red Skull finally rips his fake face off and we get to kind of like the the climax, but but other than that, I thought it was just as good an origin as Thor or or Tony, um, in terms of get in terms of establishing uh, the character. Um, he is one of the few guys I will acknowledge that one of the few uh, MCU characters where his movies get better from the origin and not necessarily either worse or plateau. Although right. Thor's Thor's does get better way down the line, but. Um, he gets a hiccup though, but we'll get there. But Cap definitely is one who starts off not a mediocre, but really good, and then the next two are really, really good. So, but I enjoyed it. Uh, again, the, the the casting was good. The origin is pretty spot on, and uh, and yeah, no, it was a good 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 starting point for Cap. It was different. It stands out from the other ones because of the time frame and right. Like I said, the I way agree with that too. Yeah, Captain yep. America is not uh, souped up. Um, just the way he's put together and everything going about it. So definitely it stands out in, um, in the lore. And, like this and Thor are the ones that are going to stand out the most, right? Because Thor is taking place out in outer space, uh, and this one's taking place way back. But it is, uh, it is sad to, to know that some of these guys are we're not going to see him again pretty much because you know, we're moving forward and that's it. So at the end of the movie, it did kind of leave me a little melancholy. Mm. No more Dum Dum Dugan. <laughs> Love Dum Dum Dugan. Well, I realize that um, my lower opinion of this movie is in the minority. Uh, It's always been that way, and it's just kind of a thing. So, um, 
you know, I don't, I, I respect everyone's opinions about, you know, various uh, happenings in this one, but I just, I, it just never gets there for me. So, um, all that being said, what are our awards? God, it's not, it's like I what almost should awards? be a good host <laughs> and like know this shit, but then I just make it up as I go. Um, favorite character, not the main character. Um, Bucky Barnes. I'd say Tommy Lee. Red Skull. Ah, we haven't talked about him. Dr. Zola. Dr. Zola. Oh, he was good too. Yeah. Dr. Zola was good. Yeah. I actually like him better in the future one. Yeah, he he um I like that he gets to stick around. Yeah. Hmm, interesting choice. Best moment? Uh when he comes out of the cryo whatever whatever and he's all jacked up and Swole. oiled up and he's blonde up. but I'll give it. I'll give it. For up. me it's the uh, the U-boat. I popped the biggest of that when that thing came out of the fucking water. <laughs> really love that, huh? It was just so random. Like, you don't expect it. All of a sudden, boom, this fucking yeah. submarine comes out from under the thing. <laughs> I, I think, I think too, because it sets a scene for, like, we saw some crazy shit early, like, where they steal right. the Tesseract and all that. But, like, we don't get the full feel for what Hydra is. And that's the first time, like, okay, these guys are connected. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. something's up because mm-hmm. they got this submarine just sitting under the East River waiting to emer- you know, emerge and take their guys to safety. Mm. Sw- he was swo-oiled up. Mm-hmm. There you Swole, go. Oiled. Swoiled up. Um, for me, it's, it's, it's Schmidt's speech on the, on, the, uh, on the catwalk there before he rips his face off and we see the, the Red Skull. That was an awesome mm. moment. Because Red Skull is one of my – yeah, Red Skull is one of my favorite – comic yeah i always like red skull so and hugo weaving's fucking amazing so that whole speech about how he was actually the first one that did not come out swole when he was tested and he came out all grizzled and evil uh is pretty awesome so that i that's my favorite that speech on the catwalk uh that ooh, that's a good one that's challenging mine but i think i'm gonna go with just the climax of the movie the the fight uh between cap and skull on on the airship leading to just that melancholy downer of an ending i'm i'm a sucker for a downer a downer ending and we sure got it here i also love the way that uh skull is killed question mark um with the the basically he floats up into the sky that another cool callback there was that sort of energy signature looked very very reminiscent of the the uh the Bifrost, right? Mm-hmm. Effect. Yes. So you're thinking after seeing this, hey, I just uh, watched Thor a few months ago. These movies came out back to back same year. Uh, oh, man, does this mean the Red Skull's going to turn up on Asgard? Is he still alive? Is he still out there? Um, so that's one to uh, to look for in films ahead, perhaps. All right. What else do we usually do? Most swole character. Oh no, you already mm-hmm. said this. Mm-hmm. Most swole. All right. Uh, overall rating, grade, whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah, six out of ten for me. Mm. Oof. Sorry. Um, all right. So, in full disclosure, I had this at seven two five originally, and after talking through Thor, uh, and then again through tonight, when we talked about Thor. I raised this to an eight because I feel like it was at least as good as Thor. But talking about it tonight, I feel like it has maybe a few more deficiencies that we didn't get to in Thor. 
so I'm going to go back down a little bit and I'm going to land at 775. Um, so, you know, I, I just went on par with Thor as an origin story, but I felt like, and maybe it's unfair because they did try to do more here and they had to do more because with Thor, they're really just focused on Thor. Whereas with this, they're trying to establish the whole lineage mm-hmm. um, of the Avengers and tie everything together. So I appreciate everything they had to do to get to that point. But it almost felt like they tried to do two stories in one and they ended up missing some details because of it. Fair. Um, mm. Scott, what do you think? Um, I also gave it the same grade, 7.75, but for a different reason because I gave Thor a 7 and this was better. Um, but not quite as good as the first Iron Man. Almost, but not quite. Um, and based on what I will grade, because I've already obviously watched ahead and what I've graded future uh, installments of this, um, this is not as good as those. So I don't want to go too high. Um, so I agree with JR that I was kind of waffling between seven and eight in some capacity, but I knew it wasn't better than the first Iron Man for me or the second one for that matter. So, but it was better than Thor. So I gave it a seven, seven, five, just like him. So, uh, I gave it a 15. Um, <laughs> no, I, uh, so I gave Thor a seven, seven, five, and I do think this is, um, quite a bit better than Thor. So I went a full point higher. I'm giving it at 8.75. Oof. Going that high. Yep. Wow. Going in hot. Honestly, I was kind of almost talking myself into nine, and I came off it when I heard y'all's scores. I mean, <laughs> this is this is like kind of just behind Iron Man for, for me, which I gave mm-hmm. a, a nine and a quarter. So, I mean, it's... It's high, and I I have no shame in putting it that high. So eight seven five. It seems like this might be one of the more divisive ones, I guess. At least That's at this point, fair. Yeah. It, I mean, it pretty much. You see it when people do their ranking lists of all the films. It's kind of all over the place. Mm-hmm. All right, well, let's rank it now. So we sh- I think we should start doing this. I know we we're talking about it off air. Yep. Um, now that we're starting to build a bit of a list. <laughs> so my of the five right now, just based on my scores, Iron Man two would be first. Mm. then Iron Man 1, then Thor, then this, then Hulk. Hmm. You know, I don't remember what grade I gave to Thor. <laughs> but I'm going to go Iron Man, Iron Man 2, Captain America, Thor, and Hulk. That's exactly why I have it. I have the, I have the two Iron Mans tied at the top for me. They both have I, – I, I remember giving both of them eights. I mean, maybe I was high on Thor now. I don't know. I'm not gonna. Yeah, I'm not gonna remember my Thor score. <laughs> I gave Thor a seven. I do. Yeah, remember I went that. eight on Thor. I gave the two Iron Man's eights. I gave Thor a seven. This is seven seven five, and I gave Hulk five and a half. So I've got Iron Man, then Cap, First Avenger, Thor, Iron Man two, and then Hulk. Wow. All right. All right so. Um... <laughs> we will all definitely remember our orders uh, going forward. <laughs> so, uh, well, for me, it's easy. I got a giant note with all the grids. So okay, I'm good. there we go. <clears throat> <laughs> I love the shitty. That's such a <laughs> shitty way to say that. I love it. Okay, well, good. Good. Dick. I'm burnt. Contain your jealousy. I'm burnt. Like, last like last time, last time it was, last time it was Justin. Like, okay, wrap this fucking shit up, and so now it's my turn. <laughs> All right. Um. 
Oh, I love it. This is the Jenny Position. I'm on Twitter at Jenny Position. Uh, you can follow all of my shows here on this feed and also hear me on the Place Nation Wrestling feed with Talking WCW, The Extreme Three Way Dance, Jenny and the Gems, and my new show, PTBNXT. Scott, what you got going on? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at PTB Podfather. Um, I enjoy this show that I do on the Jenny Position. I'm on the pop feed with Year and Pop, and I'm on the wrestling feed with more shows than you can muster. So check them out. Tim. I am on Twitter at Psych68CYKE68. At me there, but um, if you don't like Captain America, you're a gigantic asshole and don't Mm, talk to me. Noted. (laughs) (laughs) You like the character, you just go to war! Justin. I bought the sweatshirt. Uh, <laughs> place number two B Nation on Twitter. You know all my shit. All right. All right. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Journey Through Infinity. Thank you. Night night.